podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Conference play is officially underway this week with two matchups, and we are previewing one of them. I am your host, Philip Slavin. I am Chris Ross. And this is the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Yeah, there's five games this week, and two of them are conference matchups. A couple teams have a bye week, including the OU Sooners. You'd think OSU Texas, Cowboys in Austin, ABC primetime game, OSU almost ranked, Texas number 12 would be our game preview. It is the big game of the week. But um, sometimes I like to, you know, call an audible at the line and and go with something different, which is why I'm really pumped because we're doing West Virginia at Kansas for our big game preview today. I mean, no one else is going to have them as the game of the week. I know. I'm just trying to give them a little look. Kansas, after Friday, it was like the talk of the town. They're the bell of the ball. They're the, the girl every boy wants to talk to and, you know, so on and so forth. Les Miles is just is just reeling it in. Plus, how many opportunities this season, being honest, are we going to have to preview a Kansas or West Virginia game? I realize most people don't care because they're not very good, but I, I do want to make sure that every team gets a little bit of, you know, opportunity to be talked about. And this just felt like the best opportunity to do so. The timing is also good considering the week both these teams had. Oh, absolutely. When both had huge come out of nowhere week three wins. I mean, seriously, they were the three most out of nowhere wins this past weekend. Kansas, like I said, everyone's been talking about Kansas. Every every sports podcast I listen to mentions Kansas going to Boston College and curb stomping Boston College and, and what's going to happen with Steve Adazio and blah, 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 blah. It's the most positive I've heard anyone talk about Kansas in years. So why not go ahead and just piggyback off the popularity and it's what people want to talk about. So why don't we just we just go ahead and go with it? No, absolutely. I, I'm here for it. And uh, I, I really enjoyed the episode. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. It, it helps that we have two. It helps that we have two fantastic guests. Bart Keeler from Smoking Musket here to represent the Mountaineers. Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star bringing in the Jayhawk perspective. They both were absolutely fantastic. 
great insight into both teams and a lot of interesting things to come away from. I, I feel we always do a good job with these, I think, but I feel like we really got to know a lot about Kansas and West Virginia, you know, because I didn't get to watch that Kansas game. I watched highlights of it and I, and I watched what I could find, but it was on the ACC network, so I didn't actually get to, to watch it. So I, I'm really glad that we had Jesse on and Bart just to, to get to know more about both teams. Because let's be honest, how much are you watching of them since they're bad? Yeah, here's, you know what I like is if you can't watch the game live and you don't have time to sit down and watch the entire you know three hour replay or whatever, the Big Twelve Conference YouTube, uh, the YouTube channel that they have, they put out uh, very condensed versions of the game. They're like thirty minutes long, and it's just you know play after play after play. And I enjoy watching those back. Oh my gosh, D- trying to watch games—that's the like. Can you imagine having to, the days of when we had to go back and, and watch full games? We're just spoiled with the technology, but it is awesome. If you guys haven't seen them. They're fantastic. I, I go back and watch the OSU ones. Um, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm an OSU fan. I'm, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. Like it's, it's really nice to have those, and I, I appreciate the Big Twelve doing that. I know it was done just just for us, but but honestly, it's <laughs> it's pretty darn cool. Speaking of this game this weekend, if you're gonna watch it, there's only one way to do so on ESPN Plus. Now I, I know when they originally announced ESPN Plus, it was just gonna be those games against FCS teams that were originally announced, but they wanted to do a few more. They saw an opportunity and took advantage of it. So Kansas, West Virginia, this weekend is on ESPN Plus. Kansas State, Oklahoma State, which could actually be a really, really big game depending upon what Oklahoma State does in Austin this weekend. That's going to be on ESPN Plus next weekend. Now, the, the, this sounds like the, it'll be the last football game, but who knows? Like At this point, just get ready. Like You could have more games. But even if there's only two more games on there, there's... No reason you shouldn't have ESPN Plus at this point. There's so much good Big 12 content. There's so much good pregame and postgame stuff for each Big 12 team. You're going to get college basketball non-conference games. You're going to get Olympic sports. Like, I got to watch OSU women's soccer on there. Like, I know people don't care that much about women's soccer, but I do. Like, I, I like to watch Cowgirls. They're good. Just go ahead and do it. It's $4.99 a month. You're you're not going to regret it. And and just to be transparent, because I know this is very important to Chris that we are as transparent as possible. You know, Absolutely. Like a window. There's a link on our Twitter account at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. It's pinned to the very top. If you go click it, you can get it signed up for ESPN Plus there. Get your free trial. It's $4.99 a month. It doesn't cost you any extra to do it this way. All it does is is helps us out. We do this show for free. We get a little bit of money if you click the link. Just letting you know. So if you don't mind helping us out, if you enjoy the show and want us to help being able to continue to keep it going, uh, just go check out our Twitter account, 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12 the word podcast. Click the link on the tweet pinned to the top. I know it's a little bit complicated, but I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your free trial and, uh, and watch the West Virginia Kansas game this weekend like I'm going to do. This is our game of the week preview. Obviously, it's not what you would consider the biggest game of the week. That would be Oklahoma State at Texas. But as we've already previewed a Longhorn and a Cowboy game, it felt, I don't know if unfair is the right word, to to, to go back to them. Also, how many opportunities are we going to have to preview a Kansas or West Virginia game this season? Just being blunt, I'm sorry. Uh, So why not, when they're facing each other and are one of only two conference games this week, why don't we go ahead and preview this one plus I've got two fantastic guests, and that just makes it even better. Very excited to have Bart Keeler from Smoking Musket back on the show. Bart, welcome back. 
Uh, you know, it's always great to be here. Um, two things real quick. I have to say your podcast, the 1012 podcast, is one of like two that I fall asleep to every night. Um, I don't know if that's a ringing endorsement for the podcast, but it's one of those that, you know, I'll start and uh, fall off to sleep to. So uh, thanks for providing me sound sleep for the past couple of months. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's an endorsement at all. But, hey, uh, I'm just happy someone listens. Yeah. I, I listen, I'm a subscriber and I listen. I don't know what more you want from me. Um, and then also, you know, if you don't, this game is obviously on ESPN plus. So I know you have that promo for ESPN plus go ahead and just subscribe to the damn thing. You will, if you love sports, ESPN plus is your best friend. I, that, I, I know that's a, you know, a weird plug, but like, just do it. That's all. I it, it really is. It's one of those things I, just from the LGG perspective, I don't like to um, let me see how I can say this. I wasn't I wasn't planning on talking about this, but we'll go with it. Uh, so I, I don't like to to put in just random ads. Like we don't have any Google AdSense or anything like that. It's only stuff curated that I think people would actually be interested in. And the ESPN Plus, I've I've loved the content on it. I think it's well worth it. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, just just go ahead and do it because why would you not want ESPN Plus? Uh, because it also features a fantastic Kansas documentary, and I would be remiss if I did not introduce our Kansas guest as well. Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star is joining the show for the very first time. Jesse, welcome to the 1012. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, and absolutely, the Miles to Go documentary, the documentary you didn't know that you needed, uh, actually has been pretty good so far and given some behind-the-scenes looks at KU football and how they hired a coach. So uh, I encourage people to go check that out. If you got the ESPN Plus uh, subscription, then it's it's definitely worth your time to go through that 18 minutes of time seeing kind of what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, Les Miles' attempt at a uh, film career has just helped lead to this moment <laughs> is what is what it, it was. Yeah, he's totally comfortable in front of the cameras, doesn't even know they're there anymore. So um, we don't know if he's acting or he's playing himself at any point in time. And I think that's kind of continued on with his coaching, uh, especially with us in the media, because sometimes we have no idea whether he's being serious or joking. We haven't been around long enough to know around him long enough to know whether he's he's being serious or not so it makes for kind of an awkward conversation sometimes but it's the mad hatter and he's brought some attention to ku football especially this past week and right now any attention for ku football is good attention so so let's start there let's talk about last week weeks one and two for both west virginia and kansas were a bit um let's say not great a couple of come from behind wins over fcs opponents uh, a couple of of disappointing losses one for west virginia getting blown out at missouri one for Kansas losing at home to a Coastal Carolina team that people still think is an FCS team, so that that tells you all you need to know about them. Uh, and then and then week three happens, and I think it might have been the most unexpected outcomes of the weekend, starting Friday with with Kansas. And Jesse, we're gonna, we're going to start with Kansas because that, that's I mean they are the darlings of week three. Like that's all anybody want to talk about. Every every podcast I listened to was talking about Kansas, and I mean I know they were in the off season because of the Les Miles hiring, but. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say positive things about Kansas like that in um, ever. Maybe since, since you know, 2008. There you go. Since two, outside of basketball, I mean, they had lots of positive things to say about about Kansas basketball. I want to talk about the big change from week two to week three because if you watch the offense in Boston at Boston College, there were some RPO elements that hadn't been there week one and week two. Uh, I've read a few things that said it was a Brett Deerman who's kind of brought those elements to Lawrence. But I want to see. I want to hear what you have to say as far as the changes you saw from weeks one and two to three, and and just what is this team now? That's a great question. I think we're all wondering the same thing. And I, 
when I do like my betting picks every week and the against the thread picks, I think the number one thing I always try to take into account is do not overreact to one week. And if you look at Kansas football, you know, okay, the first week, you know, you had a fourth quarter rally to beat uh, Indiana State. Okay, don't overreact to it. But I still, I picked them in the preseason to lose Coast Carolina, so they lost that game 12 to 7. But don't overreact to that. You know, maybe I'll bounce back against Boston College. I didn't pick them to win, but geez, uh, that's a totally different effort. But I think this goes back a few months, uh, to be honest with you guys. So this is how Kansas offseason went. Uh, they hire Les Miles, and then they hired Chip Lindsey as their offensive coordinator. And I think the thought at the time was, not only was Chip Lindsey a kind of a quarterback guru who can develop his own guy and had had success with that in the past and sort of wasn't afraid of his own voice, had some sort of standing with that where he wouldn't be afraid to come in here and say, hey, this is how I think things need to be done. Um, but but I think there was some real optimism just because he brought in his own guys. He brought in a couple of receivers and Ezra Naylor and Andrew Parchman. He brought in his own quarterback in Thomas McVitie. Uh, the problem was that he got offered – the Troy job, which uh, West Virginia fans should know a lot about this because it kind of started the domino effect that ended up with uh, with uh, Chip Lindsey leaving the Kansas football program. So KU was kind of left to scramble. They picked up their offensive coordinator, Les Kenning, from Southern Miss as their running backs coach. And it doesn't seem like he has the same sort of standing, the same sort of voice that uh, potentially that Chip Lindsey would have had. So we saw the first two weeks, a lot of old school, Les Miles offense. So it seems like Les Miles, once he lost his first offense coordinator, kind of looked at this and said, I've run offense before. I know how to do this. You know, these are the sorts of things that I've had <laughs> happen before. And so I'm going to try to run these toss sweeps out of the I formation with two tight ends and two backs and see how it works. And I did some breakdowns on the Kansas City uh, com website of this. And it was ugly, guys. I mean, the last possession, they had a third and two. Two running backs, two tight ends. There's 10 men in the box. Carter Stanley, the quarterback, tells us afterwards he can't check out of the play. He's not allowed to check out the play. And KU runs it up the middle. Hook Williams breaks two tackles in the backfield and gets gang tackled by five more guys before he can gain any yardage and uh, loses a yard. And so that's the sort of offense they rolled out against Coastal Carolina. Whoever gets to take credit for it, I don't know. But someone in that short week went up to Les Miles and said, you can't do this over again. You, you can't have this happen. Things need to be spread out, need to go to some of this RPO that, as you talk about, Brent Deerman, the offensive analyst for them, implemented in the offseason. So this was always in the playbook for Kansas. This was always something they could go to. But I think it really took an embarrassing performance against Coastal Carolina for Les Miles to come to basically the uh, shock value. Like, hey, I need to let someone else into these discussions. I need to open up this offense. I need to open myself up to other ideas. And so he gets all the credit for having this happen in a six-day span, which was so amazing. KU goes from seven points against the Sun Belt team at home to 48 points against an ACC team on the road the next week. So who is Kansas? We don't really know, but I think what we do know is that they're going to be running a lot more RPOs coming up this week and in the future just because they look dynamite with them in this game, and all of a sudden they seem to have a legitimate offense. Yeah, it was truly amazing to be a 21-point underdog and then to win by 24 that's a 45 point swing. That does not happen. Uh, that doesn't happen often at all. So it, how much of that though, with the coastal Carolina game, how much of that was Les miles thinking, you know, they're coastal Carolina, we're a power five program. We should just be able to do what we want. I mean, I, I have to be honest with you guys. It, it wasn't, and it shouldn't have been because we can talk about coastal Carolina being bad and coming into Lawrence and expecting a victory, but with KU football, there is no expecting of a victory. I mean, this is a program 
that hasn't gone 2-0 and to start the season since 2011. And this is a program, if you remember, there was a lot of um, um, off-season things with Puka Williams. You know, he's arrested on, um, you know, an allegation of domestic battery. He got suspended one game. A lot of national outlets went after Kansas said, hey, that wasn't severe enough. But, I mean, because it wasn't very severe, you look at the schedule and you say, okay, what game is he coming back for? It's Coastal Carolina. To me, that kind of signifies that KU very much knew that Coastal Carolina was sort of a coin flip game for them and one of the turning points of the entire season. So uh, I don't think any of that at all. But I think what did happen was Carter Stanley, the quarterback for Kansas, uh, he threw a couple interceptions. He made a couple bad decisions in that game. And Les Miles seemed to get in his own head. I know Les Kenning, the offensive coordinator, has been calling plays. But um, from talking with Les Miles, he seemed to have had sort of veto power when it comes to play calling. And they just got so scared of what might happen if Carter Stanley threw it and so worried about that and felt like third and two, you have to run the ball because they might have a chance at doing that, that they just sort of got in their own heads to the point where they didn't allow themselves to win the game. They just kind of made it so they, they couldn't win the game. And so I think what happened last week, you know, Carter Stanley threw an interception on his second pass against, uh, you know, against Boston College. It started off very poorly for them. And yet they still allowed him to go out there and make plays and not only make plays. I mean, you're talking about not allowing a guy to audible at the line of scrimmage to now in the RPO, he's making pre-snap reads and then he's making post-snap reads. I mean, you're having to make decisions all over the place to get yourself in good number situations. But uh, Carter Stanley has run RPO ever since high school. It was what he was recruited to Kansas to do. He seemed very excited even going in the game week to do that sort of thing. And obviously he was comfortable with it. He was throwing darts out there and looked basically about the best as he has in the Kansas uniform. So, uh, once again, for Kansas, it was a great change. It was an unexpected change, but uh, all the credit goes to the coaching staff and to Les Miles and whoever convinced him to kind of change things around because a lot of times coaches can be stubborn and you can lose yourself in the stubbornness. And for Les Miles at 65 to say, hey, there might be a better way to do things and I'm going to trust my coaches to do that, I think he deserves a lot of kudos. So the other shocking win this past weekend, obviously, was was West Virginia beating NC State, Bart there's there's not some sort of like implementation of RPO principles. There's there's not some massive change in the, in the game plan. It seemed for for West Virginia. So what happened on Saturday to go from what happened in week one and week two to to being able to not just beat NC State, but I mean, especially in that second half, really just put them away. Well, I'll preface it by saying that I don't think anyone knows exactly how good NC State is. Now, they beat up on East Carolina, which is an FBS team, but they're going through a drastic coaching transition right now. And then they they beat up on Gardner-Webb, which uh, is really not a notable FCS school by any, uh, any stretch of the imagination. So I'll preface it by saying that not quite sure how good NC State is, but they were a team that's 2-0 and and historically a pretty good football team, especially uh, recently under Dave Doran. But the switch really seemed to be two things. One, it was an intensity, uh, a stark difference between the way they came out from the first snap on defense, especially, and just everyone was flying everywhere. It, it was amazing. We had a few um, offside penalties throughout the day, and it, it was frustrating because it kind of helped uh, NC State prolong some drives. But at the same time, it was because the guys were trying to get off the line of scrimmage so quick and so ferociously. And you could see that from the from the beginning. So uh, credit to the defense and, and Vic Henning, the, the defensive coordinator, for turning it around from a they, – they just seemed to play faster. Um, and I think a lot of that comes with confidence. So first and foremost, it was just an intensity difference. Uh offensive and defensive lines won the battle up front but a lot of that also comes down to the fact that for the first time this year we saw a West Virginia football team play with pretty good technique 
the fundamentals were there. The first two games, especially against uh, Missouri, but even in the first game against James Madison, you saw offensive linemen not blocking well, missing assignments, losing 1v1 battles on the interior. You saw receivers just flat out whiffing on blocks on, on the uh, exterior. You saw guys not wanting to it seemed like they were trying to not get hit. It was really a, a a weird situation to watch when you're looking at Missouri and seeing uh, a Kelly Bryant who is just sidestepping tacklers left and right without any real effort. Um, and you saw Missouri defense just being able to come through the line of scrimmage. How it seemed like uh, Austin Kendall get a snap and he had three guys in his face. So it's not a schematic difference. It's not a you know, we hey, we ad- added a new guy here or there. Uh, we did get Letty Brown back from for a running back standpoint, but it wasn't that wasn't a, a game changer. Uh, it just seemed to be that the team was more confident in not only what they were supposed to do on the field, but also in their technique and their fundamentals. And it's something that uh, Coach Neil Brown has been talking about for a while. Is um, and he said it again today in his press conference is that con- repetition builds confidence, and I think especially for this new this team dealing with a new fully new coaching staff and quite honestly a lot of new players they weren't quite comfortable in what they were running defensively or offensively and it it finally seemed that they were understanding of what they needed to do or at least the basics of what they needed to do and they were able to execute for the most part at a pretty high tempo so north carolina state should be a decent acc team i'm not going to say that they're going to be a 9-1 team this year but for West Virginia, I think a little bit of it was they knew that they needed to turn it around, and I think it just came down to a really good week in practice. Coach Brown praised the way that the scout team worked all week and prepared the number ones and twos to get ready to play on Saturday, and he praised the work ethic of a lot of the guys in the offensive line for just putting in the time uh, both in the uh, film room and in practice to work on their fundamentals and understand their job. So I think a lot of it just comes down to the fact that they – we're confident and comfortable. So I, I think that week three win really kind of shows West Virginia's potential. Um, and, and we've said all off season, and this was, I think Chris and I is both our favorite hire was the Neil Brown hire for West Virginia, as far as the four new head coaches in the big 12. And I think this really kind of shows what he can do in year one and maybe build to by the end of the year. But the other thing uh, coaching wise, I think we need to talk about, and I want to, um, I want to shout out to Caleb Wade Hudson, who, who pointed this out to me on Twitter, on the on the 1012 Podcast Twitter account. Um, the second half adjustments for West Virginia this season, both offensively and defensively, even in the Missouri game, have been stark and drastic. I mean, we're talking about a difference of, you for, for Missouri, you allowed 31 points and can't score in the first half to you score yeah. seven and they score seven in the second. Um, same NC State, you know, you give up 21 and score 21. Second half, you give up six and score 23. So, I mean, this is all three games. This is a huge difference from the first half to the second half. What What is going on that they're they're making these drastic halftime changes and are playing so much better in the second half of games? Well, for one, it's a very nice surprise because um, this other guy that we had for about eight years wasn't really good at making in-game adjustments. Um, and to be quite fair, that's on both sides of the ball, because of all the things that you could uh, criticize Tony Gibson, the former defensive coordinator, who, by the way, is now at NC State, so a little bit of a prideful win to put 40, uh, some points, uh, 44 points up on Tony Gibson. But we have not seen this level of, uh, of adjustments 
being made not only week to week, but in the game from a coaching staff in a very long time here in Morgantown. It's very welcome to see. Uh, but, it, you know, I think the biggest thing is uh, Neil and his staff on offense are looking at, and he'll say this, that maybe the first uh, first half play calling is vanilla or not as uh, progressive as maybe you would want. And a lot of it has to do with feeling out, okay, where are we able to succeed in this game? What are we struggling with? And he's able to then take that into the locker room and say, okay, I felt good about these play calls. Uh, you know, especially um, especially in the NC State game, we ran the ball up the middle effectively, but it certainly was not our uh, most effective play calls. And, and Neil understood, even into the second half, that we were getting our best runs when we got our skill players, which ours is we have four great running backs, uh, maybe not the level of Kansas running backs, but they're four really good running backs. And he knew that if we could get them into space, they could make guys miss. So, you know, he he was able to create an offensive game plan for the first half that, while still vanilla, was at least pushing the envelope and not being bland. And then in the second half, he he was able to mix it up a little bit more. And I think from an offensive standpoint, it's been nice to see the multiplicity of his play calls from a run uh, standpoint, not just sticking with, okay, we're going to try this, uh, you know, off tackle or uh, try to get a, a nice jet sweep to the outside. It's going, you know, between the tackles, trying to get a guy uh, maybe on a read option and Austin Kendall actually maybe keeping the ball once or twice this game. So from a Neil's standpoint, he's just understanding what he needs to do to attack a defense better in half. Now, defensively, it's fantastic. We have not given up an offense, or excuse me, we have not given up a touchdown on defense in the second half. And I really feel like that's a testament to the coaching staff's ability to put players in good positions. I think that you're seeing our guys, we didn't do this well against Missouri in the first half, but in the second half, it was some spacing issues that we had. It was maybe putting guys on uh, in the wrong uh, spots on the defensive line, especially. We have some pretty decent defensive line talent, and they're able to figure out ways to uh, just move them around a little bit and give them some um, some help from the linebackers and allow them to make plays in the backfield. And that's been something that on defense has, you've seen a lot of, especially in the second half, is just guys being able to make negative plays happen more often. Uh, it's been really It's been really fantastic to see. Okay, so this is the Big 12, so I want to talk about the quarterback position. Um, both guys in, in this matchup have been fairly interesting. Austin Kendall transferring from Oklahoma, playing in, behind Kyler Murray. Uh, now he held the reins. What will he look like? And then uh, Carter Stanley, I think he got everybody's attention last week. But I want to start with West Virginia because what I've seen out of Austin Kendall so far would be best summed up as inconsistent. His deep balls... Uh, have been a little suspect. What have you seen out of Kendall? What do you like? What do you don't like? And what should we, what's his ceiling moving forward? You know, it's, it's been frustrating and the Twitter warriors have been out in force against Austin Kendall the first three weeks of the season. Uh, you know, I, I liken this a lot. Uh, if you remember the 2017 season with Will Greer, it, it wasn't quite clicking on all cylinders. He had maybe one or two receivers that he loved to throw to. Um, but it's just because he didn't have that rapport with them. He didn't quite understand where they wanted the ball thrown or the receivers didn't understand where he would want the ball thrown. And we're seeing a little bit, a bit of that with Austin Kendall, where especially on the deep balls, 
uh, guys, there, there's just not a, a, a innate understanding between the two of where this ball is going to be thrown or where does the ball need to be thrown. Um, so a lot of that I will put on Austin and that he's leaving some balls out in the middle of the field that guys have been able to pick off. He is not exactly throwing the balls to lead a receiver. That A lot of them are either right on their chest or even behind them in the routes. Um, and, and especially on the deep balls, he's just he's underthrowing them or, or not putting it to the sideline where the, only his uh, his receivers can make a play. A lot of it also is the receivers. Uh, the first two weeks, especially, I, I this was the most frustrating thing as a fan to watch because guys were just not running good routes. I mean, we're talking about guys are going mm-hmm. uh, are, are not getting through cuts. They're they're stumbling over themselves. They're literally falling in the middle of a route, and that's not on Austin. That's on you know the fact that we just have a young receiving core. So to to your point, it's been inconsistent. Um, I think his ceiling is to be a much better game manager and i don't mean that in a bad way i mean he for the most part makes good decisions he just needs to execute those decisions better and if he does that west virginia will be pretty good uh his his interceptions have been untimely but for the most part he's making decent decisions with the ball he just needs to be able to execute them better and on the flip side of this matchup carter stanley completed like 74 percent of his passes last week three for three touchdowns he kind of, uh, you know, last week was kind of his uh, coming out party. We've seen a little bits and pieces from it before, but, like, I mean, he looked impressive last week at Boston College. Should we expect more of that going forward? I know you touched on this, but now he's able to kind of control the offense and make some decisions and kind of run the RPO. What do you, what do you like out of his game? And, and, of course, same question moving forward. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Carter's been Jekyll and Hyde. You know, he's... He looked really bad to start with Indiana State and then led them on a perfect drive in the fourth quarter to win that game. I mean, a perfect drive. And then the second week against Coast Carolina had the two mishaps where he's throwing in a double coverage and just making bad decisions, maybe not throwing the ball away when he should uh, and, and trying to make too many plays. And then, again, we start. You, you look at this game where we watch the game and he starts off with uh, his second throw of the game, a really – Poor throw uh, mm-hmm. where with an open receiver coming up against Boston College. And then after that, he's completely lights out. And you have to remember, this is a Kansas team that basically led the nation or was second in the nation last year in turnover margin. Um, last year, Peyton Bender, for all his uh, flaws and for not being a super productive quarterback, he only had three interceptions all season. And Carter Stanley had three interceptions this year in the first two games and two minutes, basically. So um, he is a guy that sometimes takes chances, but uh, I will tell you what, like his confidence level just shot up in that game uh, against Boston College, and he was making good reads, he was making great throws, he was making confident throws, and and seemed to be really comfortable in this new type of offense. Like I said before, even going into the game, he said that uh, he wanted to run more RPOs, he felt comfortable with them, he thought that they could perhaps open up the offense, and uh, the results were the results. The other thing I want to say about Carter, you know, a couple of the things that kind of make this matchup interesting. Um, number one, he's a guy that is not huge. He's like 6'2", about 198, but he will lower his shoulder when hitting guys. I mean, last week he hurtled over um, a defensive back for Boston College. He lowered his shoulder to a guy to finish a run. Uh, He also set a key block on uh, one of KU's 82-yard runs at the end of the first half, a big you know, momentum swinging change. So he really has gained a lot of respect by doing that. He is not a guy that's going to shy away from contract. He he has the respect of his teammates because he will go out there and be sort of that that gamer type that uh, a lot of guys love. And then 
Uh, also, this West Virginia game means a lot to him. He actually grew up, his mom um, is a WV alum, VU alum, so he grew up as a West Virginia fan, uh, watched Pat White, was one of his favorite players growing up. And uh, not only that, he had a great performance last year. He earned the starting job for the game at West Virginia, and then he only lasted three drives last year, had an interception and a turnover on downs. And then uh, right after that, he was replaced by Peyton Bender uh, before the first quarter even ended. So I know he had a lot of family out there. That was really disappointing for him. So um, this game means a little bit more to him just because we all know how it is growing up. You know, the team that you follow, the team you grow up following, um, that holds a little bit more um, extra oomph there. And uh, for Carter, this is the game for him that's always kind of uh, been the one that's meant the most. So uh, we'll see what happens in this game and if he can – uh, end his senior season with a better performance than he did last year. But I, de I definitely know he's going into this one and, and coming into it with uh, a lot of family going to be there and a lot of people uh, that are going to want to see him perform very well. So let's focus on this game this week specifically. It's the Big 12 opener for both. I I'm kind of deeming this the battle for the bottom. I I'm sorry, but I, I feel like West Virginia and Kansas are both going to end up near the bottom of the Big 12 this year. So Winners got an Texas edge. Tech might have some say in that. Well, I, I don't. I'm not going to argue against that point. But I feel like the winner of this game has an edge on not finishing in tenth place. So uh, let's start with Kansas here, Jesse. Where do you think the Jayhawks have an edge in this game? Well, it's it's difficult because <laughs> I I really don't know what to expect from the offense. I I think if you ask me right now, I think the KU's offense will obviously be better than Coastal Carolina and obviously not be as good as last week where everything really worked well. And also Boston college. I mean, they hadn't seen film of this RPO. I mean, they probably, they probably knew that KU had it, but didn't expect it on more than half the plays. So, um, you know, to be completely honest with you, the biggest surprise for me for Kansas has been defensively where they basically had to almost replace their entire front seven. They have all new guys up there and they're also shifted schemes with new defensive coordinator, DJ Elliott. And, They've performed really well. I mean, you look at all three games. Um, the first game, they, you know, KU wins 24-17, but seven of those points are scored on a sack fumble. Uh, the second game, they allow 12 points, and uh, KU loses 12-7. to And then last game, they shut out Boston College in the second half while shutting down a really good power-running team. So you've seen different styles. You haven't seen the best of opponents they're going to face, but the defense has done a really good job of adjusting week to week and utilizing the pieces they have and being just very sound. In years past, um, KU's players against hurry-ups, they wouldn't get set very well, and they'd be kind of uh, off numbers-wise or have too many guys out there and have penalties. But they've been very disciplined and, and seemed uh, very, you know, with it when it comes to the defensive end. So um, I think defensively, uh, KU, I, I've seen some of West Virginia. I know they run some RPO, but some of the running numbers are not very impressive. Um, I guess we'll, we'll see. You know, running the RPO against Kansas, we'll see if they can take advantage of some of those number problems that it creates. But uh, I probably feel more confident in KU's defense uh, as opposed to anything else, just because I, I think that over the three games, they've been the most consistent thing that Kansas has had and perhaps could give a uh, fan more hope than anything else that the Jayhawks could remain competitive in this game. Mark, kind of the same question. Where do you think the Jayhawks have the edge facing West Virginia this weekend? Well, you know, I think to uh, kind of build off of that point, it's been an inconsistent West Virginia team. And, and I mean that there's not been one part of this team that's played exceptionally well. Now, our defense, for the most part, I'll give them credit, has been fairly uh, consistent in that they've, uh, other than the Missouri game where we missed a bunch of tackles, we were at least in position to make plays. We were unable to execute them. But I think, you know, Kansas has some 
some talent on offense. They've got two running backs that absolutely scare the crap out of me. And I feel like, especially uh, Puka, if they get past the defensive line, which has been a fair, a pretty decent strength for West Virginia, uh, I, I find that to be a big concern if you're the Mountaineers. I, I think that uh, Puka and Khalil are, are two guys that I, I don't know how we contain them. I think it's a matter of just keeping them at, at keeping them out of uh, – don't let them eat, I guess would be the best terminology to, to put it in that way. You know, like try to keep them as inconsistent as possible. They're going to break big plays. But if the defensive line and and our linebackers can get into the backfield and disrupt the Kansas run game, I feel like that'll be helpful. But Kansas definitely has uh, the advantage attacking the West Virginia defense just because it's been a little bit more inconsistent. Um, and, and I don't know what to expect game to game. Um, I'm hoping that Missouri game was a fluke. But even against NC State, they gave up a pretty good amount of rushing yards. It wasn't over 200, but it was still a decent amount. And Kansas definitely has two very good running backs as opposed to NC State's one. So I would say Kansas definitely has the advantage in the run game, uh, especially attacking the West Virginia defense. All right, so we're going to go a little long here. So let's. I'm going to make this quick, but I want to end on something of a non sequitur. If you haven't seen the video yet, God, Mike Leach is a, is a national treasure. But during a press conference, he was asked who would win in a mascot fight of the mascots in the Pac-12. Um, and, it, and it delivered the line that that would depend on what kind of magical powers a sun devil has, which I just, you know, <laughs> please, someone please gif that and I, so I can use it on a regular basis. But it got me wondering, uh, what, who would win in a, in, a, uh, in a Big 12 mascot fight? We've got a lot of birds or a lot of animals. Um, and, and by the way, since we're going to say mascot, I'm going to say the mascot on the field. So while the Cyclones okay. may be the Cyclones that, that are actually a Cardinal, and, and while the Sooners may be a, a schooner, they're actually a, a horse. So um, real quick, everyone gets to their one answer. Who wins in a mascot fight in the Big 12? Bart, who you got? So I'm going to go on a little bit of a Mike Leach uh, diatribe here and just, you know, I think you have to kind of process of elimination do this. Um, I don't think Iowa State wins, even, you know, if they're a Cyclone. Yeah, they're a Cardinal. They, they're done. Um, I got. I agree with uh, Mike in that you know the the wildcat is not the most intimidating thing. You know, yes, it's, fun, it's scary if you, you meet one up, up close. But we have a lot of mass cuts in this conference that have guns, so I like our chances against a, a, a wildcat. Uh, sorry, Kansas. Nothing about a Jayhawk scares me remotely. That you know that that's a bird. You're out. Um, I'm knocking off Oklahoma. Uh, I don't think anything sooner, the person, the schooner, the horse, nothing about that is going to win a fight. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's just, yeah, I know you appreciate that. Um, <laughs> TCU Horn Frog, get out of here. You know, you're too little. Um, get, We can kick you away. Uh, Baylor Bears, slightly more intimidating. I mean, a bear actually will track you down and, and, and hurt you. Uh, I'll keep them in the running for a little bit. Uh, the Vivo, you're, I mean, let's be all honest with like, Bevo would make would be really good on a, an open pit, so we're going to take him out of there as well. So really, you're left with all the mascots that have guns. To be quite honest, I mean, you've got a cowboy, a red raider, and a mountaineer, and I think they all present different challenges. I'm gonna go with the red raider though because I feel like being on a horse, carrying the pistols that he has or the gun, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I feel like I'm going to give him specifically this that mascot the edge over the cowboy, mainly because I don't think you can see out of that mask thing that he wears, uh, that big head 
And uh, more than a Mountaineer, because Mountaineer doesn't have a horse. So I'm going to go with the Red Raider as probably the mascot most likely to win a fight uh, or survive, you know, whatever Hunger Games we're doing here in the Big 12. Jesse, who do you got? There's only one mascot that is not allowed in KU's Booth Memorial Stadium, and that is Bevo the Longhorn. Um, Too much damage can be accomplished (laughs) by Bevo. And if you look up, this was a real story I wrote last year. I think it was only the second time in Texas history that Bevo had not been allowed on the sideline for a Thanksgiving weekend game. Uh, But yeah, KU was too scared to allow Bevo on the field. I frankly do not blame them because I am scared of Bevo as well. So uh, I'm taking the Longhorn, and uh, it's not that close to me. See, I will give Bevo a lot of credit because as a person who lives in Atlanta and deals with Georgia fans all the time, what he did to Ugga last year was fantastic. I'm sorry, Ugga's a cute mascot, but watching Bevo charge after that bulldog was hilarious. Uh, And then the (laughs) ensuing game was even better. But uh, I'll give Bevo his props, but I'm sorry. He's a a longhorn steer. Let's let's cook him up and eat him. Uh, you guys have been awesome. I really appreciate you joining us today, and uh, I'm well, very excited. Up. Oh, hold on. <laughs> oh, we got. We got I, I've been waiting to weigh in on this. I'm not just gonna. Whoa, let's go here. Okay, so first of all, real life, like true to life, then then yes, Bevo. No one can touch them. The um, the people wearing those poor uh, mascots would have very little chances of outrunning Bevo. Bevo. So uh, real life, Bevo gets the win. But what those mascots personify, and that's kind of argument. I want to talk because. One, I think we're discounting the Bears maybe a little too quick. One or two bullets isn't going to stop it. Uh, and, and then two, we gotta we gotta talk about Texas Tech because are we talking about the mass writer? Or are we talking about the uh, Yosemite Sam? You know, on the on the sideline, because then you got to go with Pistol Pete because Pistol Pete he's got the shotgun, he's got two pistols, he also has a golf cart with a cannon, and then if we get to count. The mass rider, then there's there's bullet. Oh, this is a good point. Yeah, he's got quite the artillery. Yeah, see, I'm I'm counting the mass rider because I'm sorry, the pistol Pete or the uh, the Yosemite Sam mascot is uh, not real in my opinion. So so if we're, <laughs> I, I I don't think the the um the mountaineer. I I don't think he can get the musket reloaded in time to get another shot off on the bear. <laughs> no. So I think I think the bear takes him out. I, I, I will think, say this. We had a mascot, a guy who was legitimately at that point in time, the Mountaineer mascot. Track, tree, and shoot a bear with the musket. Okay. Black bear or grizzly? There's a difference. Yeah, okay. What bears do they have in Texas? I'm really unfamiliar with the, the, uh, the animals in Texas and what type of... Probably not polar. Other good, than that... Good guess. <laughs> I mean, are they brown bears? Are they grizzly bears? Are they black all bears? That, all they... that matters is what the Baylor bear is. And uh... I I feel like we can, I think any mascot with a gun can take down the Baylor bear. I, I just think Pistol Pete's cannon on a golf cart, when all else fails, that's, uh, he can take down anything with that. I, I will argue, a Jayhawk is not a big bird. Um, can you, I just imagine the Jayhawk flying straight into the air and hovering until there's like one person left and just coming down and pecking out their eyes. Do you get a bird battle? Do we get a bird battle between a Cardinal and a Jayhawk? He'd have to take off his boots. You got to look at the Pilgrim yeah. boots on the Jayhawk. So I, I think, I think he's even ineligible then. Oh, <laughs> uh, this was a fun way to end this. All right. Uh, Jesse, do me a favor for everybody who wants to follow the work you do covering the Kansas Jayhawks. Where can they do so? 
Yeah, Jesse Newell on Twitter, and then uh, KansasCity.com is where our KU coverage is. And, uh, yeah, a big surge of uh, traffic this week, which we didn't expect with KU football. But, uh, yeah, there's some interest back in Lawrence, and it's not about KU basketball. So that's definitely something interesting here in September. Bart, where can everybody follow the work you do covering the Mountaineers? Absolutely. So I write for Smoking Musket. You can find us here at SmokingMusket.com, on Twitter at Smoking Musket, uh, and any other social media site you want to go to, Finding the Smoking Musket. You can follow me directly at Barnabas Prime 19 uh, A lot of soccer, a lot of uh, baseball right now because the Braves are good, so that's fun. And uh, obviously a lot of Mountaineer football as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we I love coming on this podcast. We love having you guys uh, cover the Big 12. So thank you very much for having me on here. Bart, I hope you enjoy falling asleep to this one as well. You guys enjoy the game on Saturday, and uh, good luck to both your teams. Love it. Thank you. Yep, we'll see what happens. Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps us get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, T-E-N, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.